0: Hello and welcome to another instalment of the y Football podcast with me, Michael Dryden and Etchez crew. Before we start, please follow us on Twitter at YFootball underscore and subscribe with us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Aircast and YouTube. This episode is another instalment of the chats, our second instalment of this series. So Etchez, hello.
1: Hey Dryden, how are you doing? You right?
0: Yeah, I'm up. I've just seen Leeds thump West Brom 5-0. Pretty um, resounding
1: display. Yeah, I think the the best performance of tonight uh was Arsenal versus Brighton. Uh real real battle down in the relegation spots. Um end to end football, uh, top quality performance all around from Arsenal. Now it's actually really boring. Um and I think the one bit moment of quality in the game, Arsenal scored for Lacazette. And uh Arsenal go marching on. Get feel for uh, Graham Potter's Brighton a little bit, I thought they played quite well which is unfortunate. But yeah, no, I actually missed the whole of the West Brom game. So I saw Leeds. I was watching out for Bamford because of fantasy. He did get two assists. I don't have him in my team, so I'm a bit concerned by that. This week's episode of the chat, we're going to talk all about Timo Werner's struggles, kind of looking at why he's come into to the Premier League and what was expected of him, why it hasn't worked out so far, and are we being unfair? Mm. You know, we often talk about foreign imports in the Premier League, And assume, oh, if X is doing very well here, when he comes to Y, he will also be very good. And it's not always um, as easy as it may look. So to kind of kick things off. I kind of wanted to go back in time to, well, actually the summer where Timo Werner moved to Chelsea. It was around £45 million because his release clause was was met. I think we actually had a guest on who was discussing how he'd fit in at Liverpool ages yeah. ago, and how that would work out, and he was kind of the hot property of the time. Um, you know, when you spend that sort of money, which is a, a big chunk, no matter what side you are, you're expecting similar returns um, to what he delivered at Leipzig, and he was pretty lethal there goals-wise. Um, so what, what did you kind of expect from Timo Werner? Was it more of like a, you saw him as someone that could grow into the league, or was he already kind of... The star that was supposed to arrive and absolutely destroy defences week after week? Well, more the latter, you'd say. He's
0: 24 now, which, you know, he's still got time to grow and to build on potential even further. But yeah, I'd say the latter. I mean, last season I've got the stats up here 34 Bundesliga appearances, 28 goals. And so I kind of expected to see him hit the ground running, I suppose, as we are going to and discuss a bit further a, a bit later. It's a very different system. And so it was, and he's come into a Chelsea team, right? That has had so much talent come in. I think everyone was kind of scratching their head a little bit, wondering how would the Chelsea team do at the start of the season. So much talent came in. We had a come in, we had Zayas come in, even players like Thiago Silva, Chilwell, Mendy eventually came in. And the whole team is revamped. And there's still some f- folks in there like Mount and Abraham, who were mainstays uh, from last season, season before, who are there doing well at the moment. But it's, it's such an overhaul.
1: Yeah, I think that's fair enough. Um, you know, of all the signings that Chelsea made, I think the ones which carried the most fuss were himself and Havertz, naturally, because they're attacking players. You know, Ziyech as well, but Ziyech was actually signed a few months before that mm. wasn't he? on like a yep. free type of deal. So there was a lot of uh, hype around Werner. Um, I remember I, I've watched him quite a few times. He didn't actually always sparkle when I watched him, but I could see the talent that was there um, obviously his his pace is extremely threatening especially when he uh, is, is through on goal or he's given the space to do so and he works quite well off like a tall type of target man striker like Paulson at Leipzig yeah, was, like, yeah devastating obviously we kind of moving on to like the next point which is why hasn't it worked out and I think it, it's a really tough one to kind of answer. I also feel fans love someone, If fans love to see a player that's not on their team do badly, just naturally. So I think people also form assumptions extremely quickly. So I, I saw a, a tweet not long ago from a really big Chelsea account, or was it? No, Man United account, which was saying it's mad that Havertz is already on his way to becoming a Premier League flop. And I remember I was looking at <laughs> games that Havertz has played or even Verner, and they must be under 20. And it's just so interesting how football Twitter, which is what I like to call it, or the Twitter mob, <laughs> kind of decide on a player within games when, you know, there are some famous examples of players in the past that have taken a season, 18 months to really settle and have then flourished into the fantastic players uh, that we know them as. But specifically looking at why Verner hasn't worked out, it's it's kind of like change of system and like a change of team right yeah so you look at how Chelsea play one he's playing wide I know there are a lot of people out there that will say oh but he used to play wide etc etc but from yeah. when I saw him when he was prolific he's playing through the middle and I think that's kind of been tricky for him uh, when I've watched him he seems that his confidence has dropped a little bit um which happened you don't score but he just seems rushed I watched him in the Arsenal game in particular. Yeah kind of what I'm trying to say is when you have a ball in a certain area and you're Harry Kane, Messi, Ronaldo, Suarez in his prime Lewandowski, you really don't want that player to shoot from there because you know it's going to go in or you have a strong feeling it's danger. Yeah. With Timo Werner now, especially when we played them the other day and also against Leeds, I, I just felt like he's just not going to do it. I know in the end he actually got an assist in the Leeds game, I believe. But I just, I just don't. He doesn't have that fear factor.
0: When he's playing for Chelsea against Villa, or he's playing against Chelsea against another side who are particularly playing at the low block, he's getting the ball kind of, you know, that space like just inside the box, or even just on the line of the penalty area, or just outside yeah. the box. And he's getting the ball in there. He's got Chilwell wide, so it, you know, Villa's not expected to be wide. And he's come back on his right foot, and he's got literally got like three players in front of him, and he's trying to get that shot away. He's trying to think of kind of how to to react to that situation whereas when he was perhaps going through with Leipzig he had more space he was to an extent already knew what he had to do he was kind of probably systematic and he just you know he p- applied that kind of Jimmy Vardy finish he's kind of that like Jimmy Vardy sort of player
1: yeah I completely agree with you you know the the method seems to be at Chelsea from when I've watched them like a 4-3-3-ish type of thing where the wide players kind of tuck in. So, you know, you have, if Mount is wide, he cuts in. The idea is that Werner does the same, and because he's on his right foot, he's going to hit it and it's going to go in. Uh, and then you've got the fullbacks around the outside. I think from when I've actually seen him, though, as you said, he's having issues with actually finding actual space, whereas at Leipzig, it's a completely different system. The width isn't really supplied by him. It's supplied by the wingbacks, and we know how much everyone loves Angelino. Um, for yeah, <laughs> yeah, and from where we see Vernon is obviously much more central. As you said, coming from deep, yeah, you, you mentioned the Southampton game. The two got—I think he got two goals, but the one guy I remember that he did score was the one where he literally ran from deep, and then it's kind of poor defending, but it was so instinctive for him, where he's got down, beat a man, used his pace, and then got a shot off, and then scored. Um, and I thought that was kind of the turning point. I thought, oh, we're going to really see him. I missed some of the in-between games and he seems to have been shipped back out wide, but he just seems so ineffective yeah. there.
0: And it's no surprise that he got them two goals against a hassan Hootle side that does like to play high as well. So I just kind of, you know, yeah. illustrates the point that playing against a low block, it's difficult for any forward, you know, playing against, you know, you've watched Ban City against Newcastle at the weekend or uh, I think it was Boxing Day. Um, you know, they've got a wealth of tucking talent. They had Farron Torres playing Sterling, having De Bruyne in the front, difficult to break Newcastle down because when teams are playing with a flat-back five or they've got a whole midfielder in there, you know, it's not easy to break these teams down and you've got to really nick a goal early doors so that they then come out from their shell kind of thing and you can get in behind them. Um, Yeah, and you mentioned how we had Lee Scott uh, as a guest uh, quite a few number of episodes ago. He talked about how Chelsea potentially, sorry, Liverpool had came in for Werner or potentially could go there. I do wonder if perhaps he could a fair better at Liverpool's side. I mean perhaps we're being too, you know, too quick to kind of judge Werner already at Chelsea. He's only played sixteen Premier League games. But perhaps in a team like Liverpool, which might be a bit more like Leipzig in the sense that they do try and create chaos by counter uh, by pressing, counter pressing, by winning the ball back in areas that then, you know, does create chaos with an opposition defence. You saw um Liverpool against Palace and you know, had team of Werner been in a game like that, perhaps we would see him flourish and score goals because these, they do open up defences in a way that perhaps Chelsea don't.
1: Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. I think it's really hard to play for a team like Liverpool. But I think because Liverpool are so good, it's also quite easy at the same time. Mm. You know, it, it, it You know, sometimes you say, oh, you know, if did it play for Liverpool, he'd look really good. It's like, no, because I don't think it has a skill set to play for Liverpool. But I get the point that when you're a machine like Liverpool, that steamrolls most sides, even this season when they've had their problems, it is a bit easier than, let's say, if you want to play for Arsenal at the moment. And it's a bit like, well, you know, it's, it's, not, <laughs> it's not as easy to play for Arsenal potentially as, as someone like Liverpool. And I do agree. It kind of moves on to the next point, which is, are we, are we being fair or unrealistic? I think too often players are just seen as robots so as i said before you're very good in x league now you've come to y league you should be very good because you did this at x and actually the complexity around it is is quite mad mm. I mean, different systems different managers different leagues different atmosphere you know you don't actually know what goes on with the player so with looking at someone like timo verner um we've, we've spoken about system as well but you know it, it, not just that Chelsea could it be working on someone like Lampard's you know it may not be as easy as someone like Nagelsmann and it, it's the broader point of how long should it take a foreign player to settle in England mm. so that's kind of the first kind of question I wanted to pose to you so we I think often the term is one year people always say, <laughs> um, people always say you got 12 months and then 12 months is up and then you have to deliver um uh, yeah yeah I would say 12 to 18 months, but I think beyond that, you know, you're probably running out of time.
0: You'd have to be hitting the ground running, perhaps in your second season. And if you're not, then to an extent, I mean, how long can you're essentially learning on their time, right? So how how long do you do you get? And because a team like Chelsea, for example, they have spent money on Vernon, they spent money on other areas of the pitch. They can't afford to let you know if every single one of those players is is afforded two seasons. (laughs) That's just gonna Lampard won't be there for too long. So, but then, as you say, every, every player is different. Chilwell's hit the ground running. He hasn't come from a different country. But, you know, Thiago Silva's done well. Eduard Mendy's to the ground running. Um, Ziyech has done well when he's been there. Some players just, you know, it's easier for them to adapt. Players like play like Ziyech, for example, is uh, he's Moroccan, I believe. He's then went to Holland. He's already got experience of pl- applying his trade in different countries. Perhaps it's a bit easier for him to come and settle in um, a bit quicker. It's going to be difficult for Chelsea because... You can't even, as I said, two seasons is a lot. Even one season, even half a season, if, if in half a season all those players don't completely settle in and embed and perform, the team is going to be, you know, isn't going to be performing. And it's, it has to happen right away for some of them
1: players. Yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? Um, football, a, a really good example is around Madrid. Around Madrid, you honestly have, I think, a season, all the backing from the president, and then you're gone. There's so many players I could list mm. that have had fantastic careers. But didn't necessarily sparkle as much as it did at Madrid, from Higuain to Van der Vaart to Huntelaar to Schneider to yeah. so many players I could I could reel off that are brilliant brilliant individuals that maybe played their part around Madrid, but tended to sparkle once they moved on because the the expectation is so high and it's expected so quickly. You, know, you hear rumors of Barcelona wanting Dembele to leave, and yet he was one of the most expensive players of all time, Nine. and I think that's kind of what we. This adaption period, you know, is it too short? Because we're saying a season or you're saying the impact has to be immediate. But fans expect so much more so soon because with that, it's attributed to price. Yeah. So, you know, if Werner was free, that's always part of the argument, which is, uh, well, it was a free signing, so, you know, it doesn't cost Chelsea anything. But when it's 72 million at like Nicolas Pepe, when it's 72 or 70 million for Kepa, it's continuously drilled into you that oh yeah, of course, yeah, the price is higher; they must deliver immediately.
0: Yeah, you've also got that kind of resale element as well. Like the longer they flop at your club, <laughs> the more their value is going to diminish. Whereas if you do kind of ship them on after a year or so, perhaps if they aren't doing so well. I mean, Kep is a brilliant example of a player that is arguably his Chelsea career is over, and he cost an absolute fortune for his position, when president for a goalkeeper, really, for someone who uh, it came from Bill I believe, and hadn't really played. He's like great Champions League football, but for his position that is a lot of money um, so it's difficult, I think it's difficult to give a definitive answer of how long a player should adapt on the pitch, but then there's so much going around that, isn't there? I mean, players react differently to moving overseas, to settling their families, to everything that goes around that, to settling with the squad to potentially bring, you know, do they come on on, on their own, do they bring their families over it's it's such a, there's so many factors around a player moving from one country to another to settling in and it doesn't matter if he's coming. People might say, oh, he's coming from Germany. He'd probably speak English. It's easier for him than, say, someone coming from, you know, Martinelli coming from Brazil to to London, for example. Perhaps you could say it's easier for, uh, for someone like Werner to do so. But it's naive because everyone's different and, you know, people have different backgrounds. And so, you know, if you don't know who, I don't know if Werner's come across with his family. I don't know who he's brought across with him, if he has at all. And if he hasn't settled off the pitch, it's unlikely he's going to settle
1: on the pitch. So how did Sunderland help as a merge and settle?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Oh God, that's a brilliant question. I could be here on Well, he, he didn't settle that well because he left after a season to <laughs> yeah. go to Dubai. But he did quite well though. I mean that was a that was a you know for a, for a club for a club like us to bring in a player who's actually a star of that 2010 World Cup um, for Ghana and to bring a minister after the World Cup, I thought it was a big bit of a coup, really. Um but he <laughs> he, he didn't seemly enjoy playing for us as much as we enjoyed seeing him play for us and he left to go to Alan in <laughs> uh, But that's a good example though. A, you know, are a good example of it you know, you've not just got players coming across, and we've got obviously we're talking about Timo Werner here, but you've got players player that might come across to the UK from somewhere in Europe, somewhere in South America, somewhere wherever. It's one thing they have going to London, you know, one of the biggest cities in the world. Uh, metropolitan highly multicultural you think about then a player coming across and settling in in the UK for example in another town so I read on Twitter today actually quite interesting uh, it's quite interesting I think it was in the Athletic actually um, about Man City when they go into negotiations (laughs) with a player they show this player that the weather in Manchester is not actually in terms of like average rainfall any worse than London because obviously as a stereotype Manchester's got bad rain bad weather and so then obviously they come across about well, i don't want to play in the rain i don't want to play it was just that that story about apparently antoine Griezmann didn't want to come to manchester because it was too cold i don't buy that because it gets cold in spain <laughs> but, but does it 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 does yeah ah, okay it,
1: it. thanks 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 for sharing mate <laughs> thank you for sharing <laughs> if you can take anything away from this episode is that it does get cold in spain in case you're wondering um <laughs> But no, you make a good point. That I read that article as well, and the reason why it made me laugh so much is, someone as part of their job has to go out and on Google, wherever it may be, to then produce charts or graphics or even if it's information to prove to a player, a potential player, that it, the weather is not much worse. The, the weather is very. I <laughs> just think about that for a second. Like imagine you're Terry in. I don't know what it'd be, neg- the negotiations team. It's like, right, Terry, you need to go and, like, give me some stats about the weather in Manchester improved to this player that uh, it's not worse than London. Like, that in itself is is quite funny. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I think it, the, the next kind of point is, we're talking about how players settle, and I think it kind of falls down into three things, which is club, system, and the player themselves. So system is like, you know, messi is one of the best players in the world but I, i'm not too sure tony pulis will get the best out of him
0: he just got sacked today to be fair so i mean probably he did
1: not. 45 days in the job as well that is actually bonkers 45 <laughs> days I And mean, you you're still unboxing like your right move boxes in your wherever you were staying and then you just get the boot which is which is not very nice well, pay for next christmas so he'd probably be quite happy old tony Oh, I don't think anyone's happy to get sacked. <laughs> <laughs>
0: no, but it's the stigma behind these, like, you know, the stigma behind these kind of matches, these like firefighter managers like Pulis and Sam Aldice, where everyone assumes that, everyone assumes with like, Aldice that he's come to uh, West Brom, all he wants to do, he's probably got some big clause in his contract that no one's actually seen, that he's going to get 20 million if he keeps them up, or he'll get like 10 if he doesn't and everyone assumes he's going to keep them up and then he's just going to take the money and run off to like I don't know, <laughs> and the assumptions that I have around Al him dice, just running off to like I don't know, Marbella, and that, you I, know, that, video, that video of him on the dance floor after he kept sullened up, which you know, was brilliant I could
1: see, I could see, I could see Big Sam doing that, um, but <laughs> yeah it kind of like, yeah, so his system is all about, yeah, someone like Tony Pulis, I don't think would get the best out of Messi in his football which is pretty obvious club is you know some clubs in terms of the culture and where they are don't suit some players I think if you're coming from Barcelona I think it could be quite tricky for you to go to a club maybe like Hull in terms of maybe the city not just about where it is in terms of the climate but actually the city and the community that are there and some of it's the player right like you might think uh, Jesus Navas used to have severe homesickness as a youth this is, yeah. good, this is good knowledge as well. It's good fact, yeah. Yeah, he used to have severe homesickness as a youth, and that scuppered a move to someone in Europe. I believe, I think it might have been Chelsea, it, like years and years ago. And then, obviously, he eventually moved to City and moved back. Now, if you don't really know that you actually are homesick, because you may not know, and then you opt to move, a good example is the late Reyes, where he came to yeah. England and suddenly realised, oh, actually, I really miss Spain we miss my friends. Part of that does come down to the player, because I, I assume clubs like Arsenal really do try. They had other Spaniards there, um, maybe not then, but, you know, they had Fabregas coming through. But you, you, part of you has to say, well, Fabregas came from Barcelona as a 15-year-old settled. You didn't. That's not necessarily all on you. But the player is also part of this big kind of Venn diagram of the system, the club and the player themselves. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we we assumed it because they're elite footballers or elite
0: sportsmen uh, that they just, they're not like everyone else. They're not like you or I or the listener or whatever, who are, you know, just human you know, beings at the end of the day and they do actually have <laughs> have vulnerabilities. And so, you know, as you said, Fabricas coming over at 15, shows his strength of character to, even someone like Bellerin comes over quite young from La and, you know, it settles in uh does quite well in terms of the football they come through quite young they go on to be professionals for the club and go on to have good careers that's testament to their characters you know some players come to this country or you know it, i mean look at english players going abroad it doesn't happen too often and not many have done so well going abroad so it's not just obviously club players coming to england specifically in terms of this episode obviously we're talking about Werner. but just generally moving across to another country i mean you're taken out of your comfort zone probably at a young age um and even if you're not at a young age, you've got a family who you might have to bring across. There's a lot of things that go around it and people are becoming homesick or their families becoming homesick. And, you know, if you're 29, you've got a family of four <laughs> and they're in their teenage years or something like that. I mean, that would be, you'd have to have them quite young. But <laughs> if they were like, you know, 10 around, the ten around 10 years old or something like that, your kids, and you're having to uproot them to move across to another country to play football. These are all factors I think people don't, or people take for granted. And even just with domestic signings. So, I mean, with Sunderland, for example, Sonata is so far away from a lot of cities. The Northeast in general is um, other cities in the country. So, even places like the Northwest, it's good. You're talking a good three, four hour um, uh, car journey. There's players that we've tried to sign in the past who didn't want to come or have opted to go to other teams because for them, they were already in that location, didn't want to relocate their family. Now, if you then apply that to someone coming from overseas, potentially from another continent,
1: So kind of moving back to Werner, where do we kind of in this, my lovely Venn diagram, which is imaginary for everyone that's listening um, and for myself and for you, uh, when we think about club system or player, where do we kind of think it lies with Werner? Obviously, he's got a lot of time, you know, Premier League moves so quickly. For example, Arsenal six points off Chelsea. Yeah, we're having one of the worst seasons of all time. Tottenham were top of the league and now people are saying, oh, well, it's looking terrible because... They haven't won in a few games. So football can move very fast. If Werner scores two hat-tricks, everyone will leave him alone. But at this early stage, where do we kind of see it? So I, I kind of see it as like in my lovely Venn diagram, which I'm going to keep on mentioning, I see it as <laughs> a system issue. I wouldn't say the club per se, because I feel in terms of Lampard's, I don't. I don't think it's the right man to of Chelsea for. But I wouldn't say it's like a specific Lampard issue potentially because Lampard affects the system. But I wouldn't say that as a club Chelsea would be negative for Vern. I think they've got he's got Kai Havertz there. Um, he's got Rudiger there.
0: Yeah, I suppose at this time, it, it, currently we would never know if it's the player himself because we don't know if about him in terms of, it's, it, we might find out three years down the line if he was to leave and we, we see something or a comment from a player or, you know, Lampard retires early and brings out a book and then we find out everything, don't we? Uh, yeah, we do. uh, what if it's about the player? I suppose they could they could announce it when they leave. I do think with this system, I would agree with you there. Uh, this kind of, not necessarily negative start, but kind of just, a kind of piecemeal start to his life in the Premier League, like compared to his numbers he had last season with with Leipzig. As I said, he's not necessarily getting the same sort of opportunities he was at Leipzig. Perhaps people might say he's missed some chances this year, and he has. I've seen him miss chances. There's been criticisms of how he's been striking the ball, and says so he's been hitting a lot of balls quite loft, uh, quite lofted, quite uh, clearing the crossbar on a few occasions. But I do think it's system. I do think you know him playing out out wide left, and in that inside forward role when for a Chelsea team that don't necessarily press as highly as some of the other sides in the league, I do feel like he's better playing in behind, like a like a Vardy kind of character. He does remind mm. me a lot of Vardy in terms of he's got blistering pace, he can finish one on one, he likes his finesse finishes. He does remind me that sort of player. He's quite tenacious on the ball or when he's fighting for the ball. But then, but if, if you know if Vardy was to get the position, get the ball outside the box on the far left. You know, it's unless he's played space for a shot, you'd probably expect to give it and get back in the like, the penalty area or get around the penalty spot. With Werner playing at wide left, I feel as if he's kind of limited in that role. And I feel unless they he moves centrally with Chelsea or he moves on, I am hesitant to say that he'll re- recapture the numbers they did at Leipzig. But I could be, I could have said some really famous last words there. <laughs>
1: Yeah, you don't, get, you don't want to get tweeted or quoted with that. But um, no, I do agree with you. The problem with Chelsea is that Werner's got a five-year contract, I assume. So what's more likely to happen is Lampard will no longer be in the job by the time Werner sees out his contract. I don't know. It's quite an even one at the moment because Chelsea also, they they showed Morat at the door pretty quickly. Um, he, he is was probably at a similar sort of level showing bits of what he can do like Werner. So it yeah. would be interesting to see how that kind of pans out. I think it is a system. I think that could change very easily, depending on a change in management. And Chelsea love a change in management. It's so like like changing shoes for them so I think you know depending on how Lampard does it remains to be seen and Lampard may change as well you know it's not as if one day a guy decides okay this is how I'll play you because Lampard I think has struggled in general of how he's going to fit all of his new toys into one system and I think over time players will leave other players will shine a bit more and you might think oh actually this will suit x a bit more yeah. than what beforehand so yeah. only time will tell I so far have not been impressed enough to think he will recapture his Leipzig numbers but I'm happy to be wrong on this one. Um, that's all from us. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Um, thank you for listening to the chat. hope you enjoyed it, and we'll see you next week. Cheers, guys.